Today's scripture lesson is this passage on Mark chapter 1, the baptism of Jesus. Today is baptism of the Lord Sunday uh, in the life of the Christian church. And so for those churches who follow the lectionary um, all across our world today, they are grappling with this same text. And it's always interesting to me as we follow the lectionary during the life of the church, how that sometimes those particular passages just seem especially poignant given what might be going on in the world on that particular day and that particular week, even though when the lectionary was created, it was done so without any knowledge of what might happen. Um, I've really been struggling this week with what I might say to you all as a spiritual leader that you look to, um, several years ago when I was at Emory University, Tony Campolo came to speak and the title of his uh, presentation was, Is Jesus a Democrat or a Republican? And so I went thinking finally I could get the answer to this question. And uh, he subsequently wrote a book by the same title if you're interested in reading what he essentially shared with us as a part of that presentation that evening. But basically, his point was is that Jesus is neither a Democrat or a Republican, that no one political party has the corner on who Jesus is or who Jesus calls us to be. And I share that with you this morning because that's where I have always been. Uh, I have was raised by uh, parents that didn't always see eye to eye uh, politically. And uh, one of the things that that helped me uh, form in my own life is to be able to see something from another person's point of view. And while I may not agree with it, I try to, with integrity and transparently, transparency, understand what the other side might be thinking and how they've arrived at that decision. So if you're here this morning expecting me to just come down heavy on one side or the other, you're probably going to be disappointed. I think there's a much deeper issue that needs to be addressed than um, which party might have more of it right. And I hope to get into that this morning. In the scripture today, we read about uh, people gathering in the wilderness. One of the things that's important for you to know and for us to know about the wilderness as it, when it's mentioned in scripture is that the wilderness, wilderness is not just a geographical reality when you hear it talked about in scripture. It's also a spiritual reality. It's not just the physical place where they're gathered. It's also about what's going on in the group of people that finds themselves perhaps in the geographical wilderness and, and what might be that spiritual reality that is present in our text today and present in our world today. Well, I would suggest to you that that spiritual reality is original sin. That even while we're all created in the image of God, there is still undeniably this part of us that looks, that, that is drawn to the dark side. There's this part in us that, that has us always thinking about on some level or another, perhaps doing or saying the wrong thing. Uh, instead of saying or doing what God might have us to say. It's been going on since the very beginning of time. You remember Adam and Eve, they themselves were listening to the wrong voice in the garden. 
You can look all the way into the New Testament and Paul was wrestling with it too. Paul says, why is it that I don't do the things that I want to do and I do the things that I don't want to do? It's just been this age-long thing where even though we're created in the image of God and even though in our best days and in our best ways we want to do and say the things that God wants us to do and to say, there is still this bent within us that desires darkness more than light. And I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said that we prefer darkness over the light. It's been going on since the very, very beginning of time. And here's the problem with that, is that that we're all engulfed in original sin, but isn't it a heck of a lot easier to point out somebody else's sin than it is ours? I mean, isn't it just so much easier to look at somebody else or another political party and just say, well, what's wrong with the world or all of those people over there doing all of those different things? And when it comes to our own sin, we are so good at rationalizing and normalizing and and, and even justifying what it is that we want to do and what it is that we want to say, even if what we want to do and even if what we want to say is sinful. It's just so much easier for me to point out your sin than to look into the mirror and to see my own sin. And that's the way that it's always been. And that's the way that it is today. Uh, This past week really just brought to the forefront what's been going on in our country for a long time. And and that's that, that how quick we are to look to the other party and blame them for what's going on in the world. And it came to a head this week in an ugly and an unfortunate way. But that's what's been happening for a long, long time, is that our political parties each think that they have uh, all the answers and that there's no way that anybody on the other side of the aisle could be right about anything that they're talking about. And so all we do is just point out all of our problems and the wrongs of the other rather than looking at ourselves and saying, could there be something wrong? Could there be something sinful? In what I'm saying or in what I'm doing. Um, This has been going on forever. Like I said, the Jews uh, um, in our scripture lesson this morning, uh, they would have been shocked that John the Baptist was coming and requiring a repentance of sin for all people. You know, Jewish people believed in ritual purification. It was more of a physical cleansing after you'd been defiled in some way, physically defiled in some way. But but they didn't think that they needed to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. They didn't think that uh, that applied to them. It was everybody else that wasn't a Jew that needed to be baptized because they were unclean not only physically, but they were unclean spiritually. And so if you wanted to become a Jew, then the Jews thought that you needed to be baptized and ritually and spiritually cleansed, but they themselves did not feel like they needed to be baptized. Every once in a while, they just needed to be physically cleansed. From their uncleanliness. We still have it in denominations today. 
You know, we think our denomination might have it figured out and some other denomination doesn't and the other denomination thinks that they have it figured out and, and that we don't have it figured out. It's, it's a whole lot easier to look at somebody else and point out where they're wrong than it is for us to look at ourselves and what we might need to confess. And what I think this scripture points out today, that this is not a denominational problem. This is not a political problem. This is a human problem. Is that we would rather point out the sins of someone else than to look deeply at how we might have contributed to the problems of our world. Yes, even how we might have contributed to the problems that led to what happened in our nation's capital last week. What I find so interesting here um, is that John seems clear that everyone needs to come and confess and repent of their sin. Instead of looking at others and say, look what they have done. John is inviting everyone gathered there that day to look at themselves. How have I done or said something that God would not want me to do? How have I contributed to the problems of my family and the problems of the world? I think that's what's happening here in this scripture. John is baptizing in the, uh, in the wilderness. Remember, that's geographical and spiritual. And so John is asking them to think about uh, what in their life is not right and what needs to be changed. And, and everybody, Jews and Gentiles both, came to be baptized. John says that all of Jerusalem came. And that the whole Judean countryside came for a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And where are they being baptized? They're being baptized in the River Jordan. And what is significant about the Jordan River and why John would be baptizing there? The Jordan River is the body of water that separated the wilderness from where the Israelites had been. Not just the geographical reality, but their spiritual reality. It is the river that separated the wilderness in which they had lived and been grappling with their faithfulness and with their sin. It's the river between that and the land that God promised. A land filled with hope. A land flowing with milk and honey. Do you think it's coincidence that that's where John is baptizing? In that water, they can look back at where they've been and what they've suffered and what they've endured and what they've learned and what they've struggled with. And they can also look forward to where they're going and where God wants them to be and where their hope can be and where there's a better life that can await them. And they're there in that moment. In that place, being invited to repent of their sin. It's as if the only way they can experience the hope and the promises that are available to them moving forward. Is if they confess and repent the sins for where they've been. We stand in a similar place. We can look back at the wilderness of the last week, the wilderness of the last year, the wilderness of our entire lives, the wilderness of all of history. 
And we are gathered together in the Jordan River today. So close to the hope and the promise and the peace that is available to us. If we will not be so worried about placing the blame on everybody else, but just look squarely at ourselves. And say, Lord, I repent. I confess. If you can honestly look at your own life and see no way that you've contributed to the where our country is right now, then <laughs> this message is not for you. But if you can look at it and say that, okay, maybe I said something, maybe I did something, maybe I refused to listen, maybe I was condescending, maybe I was mean, maybe I was evil, um, then maybe this message is for you. John said that I'm baptizing you with water, but somebody is coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus shows up. I've often wondered why Jesus was baptized. We don't have time to get into all of that today. But just a plug for my Sunday school class that starts at 945. We'll talk about some of those things. Um, but one of the thing, reasons why I think that Jesus was baptized, even though this is clearly a baptism of repentance, according to Mark's gospel, is that repentance just doesn't just mean uh, to repent of your sin. It also means to turn toward God. And I think in this particular passage, this is what Jesus is doing. It's the first time that we see Jesus in his adult ministry where he uh, seems willing and able to turn towards God, to do what God had brought him to earth to do, to begin his adult ministry of traveling and preaching and teaching. And so while all of these other people were there repenting of their sin because they had turned away towards God, Jesus perhaps is here at this Jordan River being baptized because he wants to model what it looks like to begin to turn towards God. And when he's baptized and he comes up out of the water, a voice from heaven, the heaven is torn open and a dove, like a dove descends and it says, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Now, in the United Methodist Church, we don't rebaptize people. We we believe that if you were baptized, that that if uh, um, there's something wrong about that baptism, it's not what God did in the act of baptism. Uh, uh, so God didn't mess up that day. And, and if we have turned away from God and we want to turn back to God, we're just invited to remember what God does, symbolizes and signifies in our baptism. And that's why the Christian church celebrates the baptism of our Lord every single year. It's an opportunity for us to come and to repent of our sin. And to confess that we need God. And, and, and to remember what God does in the act of baptism. 
to cleanse us of our sin, to bring us out of water, dirty water. The Jordan is a filthy looking river if you've ever seen it. You come up out of that water, though, and you have been made clean by God. And so today when you leave, you'll be uh, have an opportunity to shells. There's shells outside. I hope our ushers will help us to, to pass these out. Uh, normally we would take water and you'd come up here and you'd dip your hand in it. But COVID has people a little hesitant to do things like that. And so you'll be given a shell where you can go home and you can dip it into the water. And you can remember what God did for you at your baptism. God cleansed you of your sin. Before you'd ever chosen to do something better for yourself, uh, to do the right things, God loved you so much that God came to save you. And I hope that you will uh, remember that. Jesus' message to the world was a message of love. It was a agape love. It's, it's a love that... M- doesn't have to be deserved. It's a love because you want to bestow kindness and blessing upon someone else. And Jesus said that the world will know that you are my disciples by what? The way you love. I didn't see much evidence of love last week in our nation's capital. I saw a lot of anger. A lot of fear. Uh, Maybe there was love there. I'm not suggesting that there was it. But it was just so, so overpowered by everything else. But Jesus says that they will know us by our love. It would be real easy to point to the other side and say, well, they're the problem with what happened last week. Um, maybe you're better at responding when somebody tells me what I'm doing wrong. I don't typically like it that much. <laughs> um, instead, I, I want to focus on what, what I've done wrong, where I failed to be an obedient witness for Jesus. And so that's my prayer for us on this baptism of our Lord Sunday. Is that this is a human condition. It's not a political condition or denominational condition. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if we would all renew our baptism and seek to live the way that Jesus lived. To love the way that Jesus loved To examine our own lives for ways in which we fail to see and be and do what God would have us to see and be and do. I think that is where the hope comes from. We stand here in the Jordan looking at the wilderness on one side and God's promises on the other. Which way will we go?